In this presentation, we'll take a look at the Earned Income Credit, EIC credit, and look at the steps to see if we can take the Earned Income Credit. These can be found on the Form 1040 instructions, and we're just going to go through these fairly quickly and then think about these items in more detail by looking at the publication. So it's worth going to the 1040 instructions and go through basically this questionnaire, as we'll do here. To take the Earned Income Credit, the EIC, follow the steps below. Complete the worksheet that applies to you or let the IRS figure the credit for you. Note that we're going to be looking at the worksheet. We'll go through a worksheet, but also note that it's useful to have tax software. So tax software can, of course, help by basically putting the appropriate worksheet into the tax software to help to do these calculations. But it's nice to see the manual calculations as well, just to see what the complexities are through the calculation. And we'll look at both of those methods. If, back to the text, if you have a qualified child, complete the attached schedule for the EIC. So a qualified child, we'll discuss what the qualified child is and then how to apply that into our calculation of the earned income credit. Back to the text. Tip, the amount you enter on line 17 will be the total of your earned income credit plus any additional child tax credit and American Opportunity credit plus any amount from Schedule 5. In other words, if we go to the tax return, here's the 1040. This is our mock 1040. And we're going to go down to line 17. They're talking about line 17 is where we have these credits that we're talking about. Here's basically a child tax credit. Here's an earned income credit just from this mock example. And that's going to give us the amount on line 17. It's not the only place where the credits are because we also have credits up top. And these credits up top are usually those that will bring liability down to zero. So line 17 are typically those credits which could actually give us a refund even if uh, we haven't paid any liability or the liability is currently zero, meaning we're going to get a refund above and beyond any liability. We have no liability at that point and we're still getting money back and, and that includes the earned income credit child tax credit. Back to the text. For help in determining if you are eligible for the earned income credit, go to the IRS website here and click uh, the EITC assistance this service is available for English and Spanish so this is one area to go to the IRS website to question about the earned income credit it is something that's a bit complex especially if you're going to do it by hand nice to have software to help with it as well back to the text if you can take the earned income credit even though you aren't eligible and it's determined that your error is due to reckless or uh, intentional disregard for the earned income credit rules you won't be allowed to take the credit for two years, even if you are otherwise eligible to do so. If you uh, fraudulently take the earned income credit, you won't be allowed to take the credit for 10 years. See Form 8862, who must file later. Uh, you also may have to pay penalties. So note that the earned income credit, because it is significant, is a place that abuse can happen. And if, there, if you abuse the, the tax code, intentionally report the earned income credit, then of course there'll be tax consequences for that and so just be careful with that we'll discuss more of, of those consequences at a future presentation but you want to avoid any of that of course and make sure that the, you're following the rules by going through all these steps of the earned income credit worksheet to make sure the the claiming of the earned income credit is appropriate back to the text refunds for returns claiming the earned income credit can't be issued before mid-february 2019 this delay applies to the entire refund, not just the portion associated with the earned income credit. Next item, we're going to go through this process now. So here are the steps that we'll go through. So step one, 
uh, all filers. Number one, if in 2018, three or more children live with you, is the amount on form 1040 line seven less than 49,194 or 54,884 if married filing jointly? So what we're doing here is trying to see if we would qualify for the earned income credit in this basically in this step one. So if we think about that, we're saying, okay, we're looking at line seven on the tax return. So line seven on the tax return is what we call adjusted gross income. So the adjusted gross income, you can think of basically as the income level. We're looking at income level to see if someone qualifies for the earned income credit. And we're looking at basically the caps. And one of the things that are going to affect the cap is the filing status, single versus married filing uh, jointly and the number of uh, children. So here we have three. If we have the second step then, or two children live with you, uh, is the amount form 1040 line seven adjusted gross income less than 45,802 if single or anything other than married or 51,492 if married filing jointly. So that's gonna be the second step. Again, we got the income limitation and now two children. Then if we have one child, lived with you is the amount on line 1040 line 7 less than 40,320 obviously you'll note the agi limit is going down for single or everything other than married or 4610 if married filing jointly so uh and then finally if no children if we have no child then lived with you is the amount on form 1040 line 7 less than 15,270 so if we have no children then we have the 15,270 single filer that's basically uh, the, the lower limit, of course, on the earned income credit, 20950 if married, no children. And then we would continue. And our goal is to see if it's worth basically filing or not, if there's potential to get the earned income credit here. This is basically the first step. If no, you can't take the credit. So if we don't qualify here, can't take the credit. If yes, we continue to the next step. Back to the text. Do you and your spouse, if filing a joint return, have a social security number issued on or before the due date of your 2018 returned, including extensions that allows you to, and then of course, again, we're talking about the social security number, do you qualify? Then we would typically need, of course, the social security number to do so. And then we'll go back, back to the text. Work and is valid for the earned income uh, process uh, purposes <laughs> explained later under definitions and special rules we'll discuss that a little bit more in depth but we need the social security if yes we move forward if no we can't claim the earned income credit and again of course this worksheet is determining whether we can or cannot claim the earned income credit and then we'll get into the calculation of it if it's determined that we can claim next item back to the text is your filing status married filing separately and note that if it uh, is no, I mean, if it's yes, you can't take the credit. And what does that mean? It means that you can't file married filing separately. We'll talk about these more in depth, these rules. But basically, if you're married, you can have the choice of filing married filing jointly or married filing separately. We're basically saying you can't file married filing separately. We'll discuss more maybe why uh, later, but just note that. And so we're going to continue. And you can think of just basically tax scenarios where people would probably try to take advantage of this kind of credit if you can break up the marital status. But in any case, we're going to move on. We're going to go number four, back to the text. Are you filing form 2555 or 255EZ related to foreign income? If yes, can't take the credit. If no, we're going to continue. 
So there's an, there's an issue with foreign income here. So foreign income uh, could disqualify the credit. So if we're reporting that, if we have foreign income on form 2555, then you may have disqualifications. If that's not an issue, then we'll continue forward. Number five, were you or your spouse a non-resident alien for any part of 2018? If yes, then we're going to see non-resident aliens later under definitions and special rules. If no, go to step two. So we're going to continue on there. And then we got step two. So investment income. So we're going to go to investment income. And there's going to be some limitations on investment income. So we'll go through step one, back to the text. Add the amounts uh, from form 1040, line 2A, 2B, and 3B, and then schedule 13. So 2A, 2B, 3B. Here is our 1040. So 2A would be tax exempt interest. And then we've got qualified dividends and then uh, taxable interest. Why, why are these investment income? Because they, they come from us having money, let's say in the bank or something and generating investments or stocks and bonds. And the idea, of course, we'll talk more about this later, but the idea being that if you have a whole lot of money and you're making a lot and you're getting a lot of interest, then you have a lot of assets and therefore the earned income credit or the goal of the earned income credit doesn't seem like it's applied there so that investment income so if you have a lot of investment interest and dividends then that's going to be an issue next item back to the text two is your investment income more than three thousand five hundred so again that's that dividends and interest if it's more than three thousand five hundred it seems like you got a lot of assets and probably don't qualify for the earned income credit right so that's going to be the just so if yes, then we're going to continue on and see some more qualifications. If no, we're going to skip uh, question three and go to question four. So in other words, if we have more than 3,500, we need some more questioning to see whether or not we'll qualify and we'll go on to question three. If no, then we're just going to skip question three and we'll go to question four and just move on with our qualifications. So question three, which is the only thing we, we would only do if, if yes, uh, are your filing form 4797? related to sale of business property if yes see form 4797 filers later under definitions and special rules if no you can't take the credit so the general rule is if you have a lot of investment income you can't really take the credit unless there's some kind of exception with with relation to form 4797 uh, otherwise that's going to be the general rules so now we'll go to question four which we would have done if we were under that 3500 which says, do any of the following apply for 2018? You are filing a Schedule E. Schedule E has to do with rental income. So if you have rental property, again, that's another flag to the IRS saying, hey, you own rental property. Uh, that seems like you have a lot of assets, then possibly shouldn't be qualifying for the earned income credit. So then we got, you are uh, reporting, back to the text here, you are reporting income from a rental or personal property not used in a trade or business you are filing form 8814 related to election to report child's interest and dividends on your return you have income or loss from a passive activity so again these are areas where the irs are kind of looking do you have passive income do you have income from rental property if it does it seems like your income uh you have a lot of assets and therefore may not shouldn't qualify for the child tax credit so if yes Use worksheet one, publication 596. So then we have to go to the worksheet uh, on publication 596. We'll go to that publication later uh, to see if you can take the credit. If no, go to step three. So we'll continue to step three here. Qualifying child. 
A qualifying child for the earned income credit is a child who uh, is a child who is your son, daughter, stepchild, foster child, brother, sister, stepbrother, stepsister, half brother, half sister, or descendant of any of them. For example, your grandchild, niece, or nephew. So a qualifying child remembers one of those things can, that can affect whether or not we qualify for the credit and or how much the credit would be. Moving forward, we have and, so we're going to say and, was under uh, age 19 at the end of 2018 and younger than you or your spouse if filing jointly or under the age of 24 at the end of 2018, a student uh, def defined later and younger than you or your spouse if filing jointly or any age and permanently and totally disabled defined later. So we next we got the next item we're going to say and who isn't filing a joint return for 2018 or is filing a joint return for 2018 only to claim a refund of withheld income tax or estimated tax paid. So in other words the the child most likely we're kind of thinking here they're going to be on the form as our dependent basically if we're thinking about these kind of rules we're saying hey uh, this is someone that typically is going to be a dependent we got the age limit to basically be the dependent typically and those are kind of the general rules that uh, we're going over here and so in this case obviously if they're if they're filing a joint return they would be married and therefore probably wouldn't qualify as a dependent or a qualifying child for the purposes of the earned income credit moving forward back to the text who lived with you in the united states for more than half of 2018 so we have that live-in requirements then we've got a uh, caution back to the text you can't take the credit for a child who didn't live with you for more than half the year even if you paid most of the child's living expenses the irs may ask you for documents to show you lived with each qualified child documents you might want to keep for purposes include school and child care records and other records that show your child's address so note that this is going to be an issue because of course if the IRS tries to prove this, uh, it's not just, it's difficult to prove that you paid for half of the child's care. What they try to do is, of course, prove the address. Is the address the same? So if whatever the school address is, where they send the doc, any kind of document related to the child, then they're going to basically want to see, are those documents going to your address and the same address? And that would be one of the ways that the IRS would, would verify this if in, in the case of an audit. Tip. If child didn't live with you for more than half 2018 because of temporary abuse, uh, birth, death, or kidnapping, see exceptions to time live with you later. So obviously there's a few obvious examples and the two most obvious are going to be birth and death. I mean, if the child was born, you know, halfway through the year, then of course they didn't live with you for the entire year, but still may qualify as a dependent. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Caution. If the child meets the conditions to be a qualifying child of any other person other than your spouse, if filing a joint return for 2018, see qualifying child for more than one person later. If the child was married, see married child later. Uh, so that's another kind of issue that we have here. Obviously, if, if we have two people, say divorced uh, individuals that have one child, then you got to be careful about claiming the child tax credit or the dependent itself on, on two different returns. You got to think about, well, how is that going to play out? So... Uh, that's going to be a consideration we'll talk about later. 
Back to the text. Number one. Are you claiming at least one child who meets the conditions to be your qualifying child and, unless the child was born and died in 2018, has a valid social security number, SSN, as defined later? If yes, we'll continue. If no, we're going to skip to question two uh, and three. So we'll continue on. Number two, are you filing a joint return for 2018? In other words, you're married filing a joint return. Yes, skip question three and four and go to step five. If no, we're going to continue forward. So they're kind of basically having a fork in the road here based on whether you're filing a marriage filing joint return or not. Uh, question three, which we would go to uh, if we were going to continue on, meaning we're not filing a joint return. Number three, could you be a qualified child of another person for 2018? Check no if the other person isn't required to file and isn't filing a 2018 tax return or is filing a 2018 return only to claim a refund of withheld income tax or estimated tax paid. So in other words, uh, if we can be reported by someone else as a qualifying child, and you could think of the requirements for that, we, they would have to have given more than half of our support and whatnot, then uh, we're in danger, of course, of not being able to report somebody else on our return as a qualifying child. So if yes, we're going to say you can't take the credit, uh, enter no in the space on to the left of line 17. If no, uh, s skip step four, go to step five. Back to the text, we're going to go to step four, file filers without a qualifying child. So now we're thinking about those filers that don't have a qualifying child. We're still saying, hey, do we qualify for an earned income credit? even though basically we don't have the qualifying child. And we know that one of the limiting factors there is going to be adjusted gross income limitation, meaning if we have a, a, over a certain amount of the adjusted gross income, it's likely that we, we won't be able to file under those conditions. Back to the text. One is the amount on line 1040, line 7, less than 15270 20950 if married filing jointly. And you'd say, okay, well, what is line 7 on the tax return? So if we go to our mock tax tax return, we see that line seven is going to be the adjusted gross income. So they're basically doing an income test here. And they're saying, hey, is it, I mean, do you, do you qualify or not? Well, if your income is over that amount, then you may not qualify. So 15 to 70 adjusted gross income for single, 20,950 if married, filing jointly. If yes, then we continue. If no, you can't claim the credit. So if your income is greater than that, adjusted gross income can't claim. If yes, then we move on. Step two, uh, were you or your spouse if filing a joint return at least age 25, but under age 65 at the end of 2018? So now we have an age limitation here. So we've got uh, the 25 to 65. Check yes if you or your spouse is filing a joint return, were born after December 31st, 1953, and before January 2nd, 1994. If your spouse died in 2018, or if you are preparing a return for someone who died in 2018, see publication 596 before you answer. So if yes, we're going to continue on, and if no, you can't take the credit. Continue on, step three. Was your main home and your spouse's, if filing a joint return in the United States for more than half of 2018, members of the military stationed outside the United States, see members of the military later, 
before you answer. So obviously, got to be within the United States as your principal residence, unless, of course, you have the military would be one obvious exception to that. If yes, we continue forward. If no, stop. You can't take the credit. Enter no in the place to uh, the left of line 17. Number four, are you filing a joint return in 2018? If yes, skip question five and six. Go to step, uh, go to step five. If no, we're going to continue. So again, we got kind of a fork in the road here because there's going to be differences if we're filing a joint return versus uh, a single return. Next item, five. If you uh, could, you be qualifying child of another person for 2018. Check no if the other person isn't isn't required to file and isn't filing a 2018 tax return or is filing a 2018 uh, return only. Again, if you can be qualified child from another return, if someone else can claim you as a qualified child, then it's you're in danger of, of course, not being able to report someone as a qualified child on your return because it's unlikely you're going to pass all the tests, the support tests and whatnot, if you yourself are basically kind of uh, could be claimed as a dependent somewhere else. That's kind of the logic of it. If yes, we're going to say you stop. You can't take the credit. If no, we're going to continue on forward. So we'll be continuing on. Number six, can you be claimed as a dependent on someone else's 2018 tax return? To answer that, you basically need to know what a dependent is, the qualifications for the dependent. But in essence, there's going to be some tests, including the caretaking test, someone else providing uh, the care for you and whatnot. So therefore, if uh, as a similar kind of requirement, if yes, if you can be claimed as dependent, we're going to say stop. You can't take the credit. If no, go to step five. So we're going to continue forward. Step five, number one. Are you filing Schedule SE, which is self-employment, because you were a member of the clergy? So that's going to be a very special kind of example, a major member of the clergy. Or you had church employee income of 108.28 or more. So if we had, basically, if we fall into that category where we were part of the clergy, part of the church, or have some kind of income for that, that required us to file the Schedule SE, self-employment. And so that would look something like this. Uh, self-employment tax, then there's going to be some exceptions related to that. So if we say yes, see clergy and church employees, whichever applies. If no, complete the following worksheet. And then we would go through the worksheet into the amount uh, from form 1040 line 1. So 1040 line 1, if we go to the 1040 in our mock 1040 and say, all right, here's 1040 line 1. That's basically our wages, salaries, tips, etc. And then we're going to say number two, enter the amount included on 1040 line one that is a taxable scholarship or a fellowship grant not reported on form W-2. So if that applies, if part of the amount on line one is a taxable scholarship, then we would put that here. Number three, enter any amount included on form 1040 line one that you received for work performed while an inmate in a penal institution, enter PRI and the same amount on the dotted line next to form 1040 line one. So there's going to be exceptions if you had income while basically being in prison or something like that, because again, they don't want to give an incentive or earned income credit to uh, the individuals who are in violation of some kind of law or something like that, of course. So then we go to number four, enter any amount included in form 1040 line one 
that you received as a pension or annuity from a non-qualified deferred compensation plan or a non-government section 457 plan enter dfc and the same amount on the dotted line next to form 1040 line one this amount may be shown in box 11 of form uh, w2 if you received such an amount in box 11 uh, is blank contact your employer for the amount received so this is related to a deferred compensation plan and again you can look at your w2 and it should be properly hopefully reported properly in box 11. number five enter any amount included in form 1040 line one that is a medicaid waiver payment you exclude from income see the instructions for schedule one line 21. and again you'll see your schedule and you can take a look at line 21 on the schedule that's going to give us, we're going to add up then, add lines 2, 3, 4, and 5. So we're not adding the line 1. So in other words, we had line 1 was our, was our income. And then we just removed these amounts that we could possibly remove, which may not be applicable to many people, uh, which are on everything except line 1 of this worksheet. And that's going to be uh, our item here. Subtract line 6, where we added all those items up from line 2 through 5. And subtract it from line one which of course was our our item up top so in essence we're saying this is our basically our wage and if there's any of those other things that are affecting it we're going to be subtracting them from it to get basically to, to line seven here number eight enter all of your non-taxable combat pay if you elect to include it in earned income so if you have combat pay then you now you, they're going to say here there's some type of election to include it and so we'll get more into the publications on what that election might be and why would you elect it because you might need more earned income so they're saying it's not included in in essence you're thinking well maybe it's not included in line one here but maybe we would want to include it for the calculation of the earned income credit because it might give us more of a credit so we have that impossible we'll talk more about that later also enter the ncp and the amount of your non-taxable compact pay in the space to the left of line 17 on form 1040. So that would only of course apply if we had combat pay. Back to the text. Electing to include non-taxable compact pay, uh, combat pay may increase or decrease your earned income credit. So note, we'll have to look at the tables to see if it would increase or decrease. If we have some area where, where we would say, hey, it would be nice to have more uh, earned income because it would increase the credit because the earned income actually goes up as you as you increase to a certain degree or we might be over that point and we would want less earned income because now the credit's going down we're over kind of the hump of it increasing and therefore we, we would if we had a choice we would not want to include more earned income so in any case if this is an area where we have a choice to include it or not it depends on how much earned income we have and how many dependents we have to, to see if we want to do it or not Figure the credit with and without your non-taxable compact pay before making the election. So what you want to do, of course, then if you have an option to include or not include is figure the earned income credit before, then figure the earned income credit with the added income and maybe some scenarios in between if you happen to be right in between there and see what the how to max out you know, the earned income credit. So number nine, add lines seven and eight. This is your earned income. Two. Were you self-employed at any point in 2018 or are you filing Schedule SE because you were a member of the clergy or you had church employee income or you were filing Schedule C or CEZ 
as a statutory employee. So we're dealing with, with now uh, the, the income for a sole proprietor or Schedule E, self-employment income, dealing with basically typically uh, business type income would typically be reported on the Schedule C. So Schedule C, business type income that would then pull forward to the 1040 Schedule C or Schedule C EZ, net profit from business. So uh, if yes, skip question three and, uh, and step six, go to worksheet B. If no, we're going to continue forward. Number three, if you have three or more qualified children, is your earned income less than 49,194? And we got these, these are our income limitations again. So, or 54,884 if married filing jointly. For three dependents, if we had two quali or qualified children, Two qualified children, is your earned income less than this amount for single or this amount if married filing joint? If we had one qualified children, is your earned income less than this amount or this amount for married filing joint? And finally, no qualified children, is your earned income less than that 15270 or 20950 if married filing joint? If, so these are our income limitations again. So if our AGI uh, is, is over these amounts, then... Uh, we could say stop. We're going to have to uh, not take it most likely. And then if we say yes, then we're going to go to step six. So step six, how to figure the credit. So now we're thinking, okay, if we qualify the, for the credit, then you got to go through the steps, then how to figure it. So all that was basically looking at qualification types. Now we'll go into basically the figuring and we'll we'll do some more scenarios on this in future presentations. Do you want the IRS to figure the credit for you? If yes, see credit figured by the IRS later. If no, go to worksheet A. We're just we're going to basically concentrate on worksheet A, but if you want to talk to the IRS, maybe they can provide some help uh, with calculating the worksheet as well. Then they do so under certain circumstances. Definitions and special rules. Uh, adopted child. An adopted child is always treated as your own child. An adopted child includes a child lawfully placed with you for legal adoption. So if we have a legally placed adopted child, then of course they're treated just like uh, your child for any for most you know tax preparation purposes. Church employees determine how much of the amount on Form 1040 Line One. Uh, also was reported on Schedule SE, Section B, Line 5A. Subtract that amount from the amount on Line 1040, Line 1, and enter the result in Line 1 of the worksheet, Step 5, instead of entering the actual amount from Form 1040, Line 1. So this would be kind of a special exception uh, if we had a church employee. Clergy, another kind of special exception. The following instructions apply to ministers, members, and re religious orders who have not taken a vow of poverty and Christian science uh, practitioners. If you are filing Schedule SE and the amount on line 2 of that schedule includes an amount that also was reported on Form 1040 line 1, do the following. Number 1. Enter clergy in the space to the left of Form 1040 line 17. 2. Determine how much the amount on line 1040 line how much the amount on form 1040 line 1 also was reported on schedule se section a line 2 and we're going to keep moving on number three subtract the amount from from the amount on form 1040 line 1 into the result on line 1 of the worksheet in step 5. moving on number four be sure to answer yes to the question two in step five okay then we got the combat pay 
So combat pay, another special kind of condition. Combat pay, non-taxable. If you were a member of the U.S. Armed Forces who served in a combat zone, certain pay is excluded from your income. See combat pay exclusion in public in Pub 3. You can elect to include this pay in your earned income when figuring the earned income credit. The amount of your non-taxable combat pay should be shown in Box 12 uh, of Forms W-2 with code Q. So if you have your W-2, look for that code Q. Uh, if you are filing a joint return and both you and your spouse received non-taxable combat pay, you can each make your own election. In other words, if one of you makes the election, the other also can make it but doesn't have to. So we have a lot of flexibility then with the combat pay. So if that's a special condition, you want to look into that and probably run some scenarios to see how to maximize the earned income credit. If you elect to use your non-taxable combat pay in figuring your earned income credit, enter NCP and the amount in the space, line 17. If that's going to be a condition that, that is special to you, you really want to kind of do some research on that because, of course, that is a bit unusual and you want to make sure that you're taking that into consideration if it, if it is significant. So whenever you look into this kind of tax calculation, you really want to uh, make sure whoever is helping you with that has awareness of of that so that you can make sure to do some scenarios with the combat pay and make sure that you're maximizing your credit so here's going to be the worksheet we're not going to go into the worksheet here we're, not, we're actually going to use software to enter to enter this information in the software and use kind of more of a of a trial and error scenario so when we go forward we'll always be bouncing back to the software and then we'll go to the worksheet in the software so these are basically we've gone through the conditions to calculate uh, or to qualify. We'll talk about those qualifying uh, conditions more in future presentations as we go through the publications. And then we'll do scenarios to see how to do the calculation. And we'll do those in the tax software. And we'll have basically worksheets in the tax software, which will help us. And basically these worksheets come from the publication and or the form 1040. And it's of course really nice to be able to, to use software to help you to, to go through those calculations and then verify those calculations based on the information on the the form 1040 instructions and the publication